as we continue our, our series on the Holy Spirit. And um, it's been a blessing uh, going through the different studies, uh, studies like being changed by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Uh, last week, we talked about just overflowing with the Spirit. You know how when God takes over, it's not like a, a grunting exercise. It's just totally Him, you know, and you know it's Him. And uh, that's really where we want to, to be in life as a Christian. You know, when you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence within you. And He wants to change you. He wants to make you like Christ. He wants to use your life. And it's just a, a real neat thing. You know, I know we've been going through this. It's probably been about maybe six, seven weeks now. Um, but I'm not, I, I kind of don't feel like I, I, we should stop until we really change, until there's really a radical transformation and it's just visible and it's just manifest. And it's just that we as a church can honestly say that we are a, a spirit-led church, a spirit-filled church, a, a church that's overflowing with the spirit. And, you know, we're here on Thursday nights and we're learning a few things. A, a lot of the stuff that we're covering, we already know. But to me, you know, the main thing is that we're, we're waiting on the Spirit and we're expecting the Spirit to move in our life. And, and we're praying and throughout the week, I'm just praying, Lord God, help us as a church, help us as leaders to really be walking in the Spirit. You know, John the Beloved in the book of Revelation chapter 1, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And then he saw the vision, you know. And a lot of us here, we have our struggles. We're not really hearing from the Lord or we're not walking with that power because we're, we're just not surrendering to Him. We're not yielding to Him. And so you, you hear it every Thursday. If you've been coming on Thursdays, you're, it's re, being repeated over and over again because God really, really, truly wants to move. It's not just something you read in history. It's not just a New Testament thing that you read that happened then in the book of Acts. It's something that's accessible to all of us now that we really can walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and he'll be there to encourage you. I would venture to say that there are a lot of you here today that might be discouraged, maybe because of your own failures, you know, but it's so cool to know that we have a God that doesn't give up on us. We have a God that is in love with us. We have a God that is wanting to encourage us and to lift us up and to dust us off and to say, you know what, keep going. And you never give up. And, you know, when you know you have that type of God behind you, it, not that you take advantage of him, but you know what? It just moves you to really want to be that man, to really long to be that, that woman that God wants you to be. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you here, you're younger and you're thinking, well, you know, not me. But when I read my Bible, I read about young guys who were really used by the Lord. You know, guys that were 13, 14 years old. Some say Samuel was only 12 years old. So whatever you do, even as a young person, please don't say, well, that's for my parents or that's for so-and-so. And when I get older, then I'll kind of, you know, kick it in gear, you know. And for those of you who are older, whatever you do, don't think, well, that's just for the young people or the middle people or whatever. You know, Moses was 80 years old when God really began to use his life. And so it doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you did yesterday. You know, we want to share with you that God is alive and that God is all-powerful. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available and accessible to all of us to walk and to live in the newness of life. And he'll give us wisdom. You know, a lot of times we have questions, huh? We're like, Lord, what do I do in this situation? 
And sometimes even in that, you might feel like you're alone, but you're not. You know, the spirit of wisdom is there, uh, willing to lead you, willing to guide you. And so we're studying the Holy Spirit, and I really pray that we would be changed and transformed by Him. I really pray that we would be led by Him. And I just want to reiterate this constantly to you, that throughout the day, it doesn't matter what time it is, the Holy Spirit doesn't take a break, you know. He's there always wanting to guide you. Just listen. Listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And as you're changed by the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, I believe that we'll be overflowing with the Spirit. Like Jesus said, if anyone thirsts in John chapter 7, come to me, man, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, you know. And you go to Target, and I mention this to you because when you go to Target and you're in line and, you know, you're watching the people in front of you, you know, maybe you're upset because there's three people in front of you. I don't know. Uh, uh, But as you're there, prepare your heart. So that when it's your turn, the checker sees that you're different. Now the checker sees there's someone here that's a Christian. It's really gripped my heart. It's given me that conviction. Every time I come up to whatever line it is, I'm like a big smile on my face. How are you doing today? You know, I'm just really, really wanting to be different, wanting to stand out. Why? Because God lives in us and God loves this person. And and then that just kind of flows over into all of our life. And so... You know, the Holy Spirit is here and He wants to, to change us. He wants us to seek Him. He wants to manifest Himself. He wants the gifts to be exercised. We know the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. And it's important for us to have a good understanding of Him. Uh, today I wanted to go over a, a chapter here, um, which is entitled United in the Spirit. Um, Because in the church in Corinth, they were having some problems. And and one of the problems they were having was that they were divisive. And the reason that they were divisive and they were kind of sectioning up into different groups and stuff and saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, line up under this guy and I'm going to line up under this guy and I'm going to line up under this guy is because they weren't spiritual. They weren't really, you know, empowered by the spirit. They were carnal and so Paul writes to the Corinthians and he deals with it earlier and, and he kind of deals with it again because although they were a carnal church, they were a very gifted church. But we're going to see today that giftedness does not mean godliness. So there's a difference here. And as we look at it, what God wants to do is God wants to knit us together, you guys, as a church. You know, I've heard a lot of nightmare stories about different churches how sometimes they split and this person does their own thing and they're building their own kingdom and things like that. And you know what? I thank God that we haven't had that problem here. You know, maybe one day we will. I don't know. Maybe we never will. That would be great. You know, but we got to make sure even in this that we are we are knit together, that our hearts are knit together. All of us here in every ministry uh, doesn't matter We have to be united. We have to be together. We've got to be tight. Um, Because as we're together in this, then God will do a great work. But the devil would like to come in. The flesh would like to come in. Lies would like to creep in and would like to divide us as a congregation because the devil knows that if he can divide us somehow, some way, then he can conquer us. And so we have to make sure that in the Spirit, by the Spirit, we're United, And that's really what this whole chapter is all about. It's something only the Holy Spirit can do as we yield to him. 
Um, but let's read here in verse 1. Paul says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, we see here in verse 1, uh, as Paul begins to uh, deal with this section, that he doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to lack knowledge, to be unaware, uneducated, un informed and it's kind of interesting the word gifts it should be italicized in your bible and that means it's not really there uh, literally he says now concerning spirituals and a lot of people a lot of theologians believe it's the spiritual manifestations nothing weird you know we're not you know jumping around and acting out of order and stuff like that but when the spirit manifests himself when it's not a man it's not a guy who's a good talker or a good teacher whatever like that. That's not what it's about. It's about what God can do. And how God can take simple men and give weight to their words and it doesn't just go into their mind and they say, wow, what a great Bible study, but it goes into their hearts and the Spirit of God does a work. Now he says concerning those things, I, I don't want you to be ignorant, unaware, uneducated, uninformed. This is really important to God. You know, there's only three times where Paul mentions this explicitly. One is in the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 25, where he says, I don't want you to be ignorant regarding the future state of Israel. And so keep your eyes on Israel. Know a lot about the future state of Israel. Another time that he mentions where he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, is regarding the, the future state of the church and the world. It's called eschatology. We read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant regarding Israel. I don't want you to be ignorant regarding eschatology. And I don't want you to be ignorant regarding spiritual manifestations. And so when I read that, I realize, you know, this is something that's very important. He says there in verse 2, You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Corinthians were previously carried away and led by demonic idols or maybe even by themselves. But now what Paul wants is for the Spirit to carry them away for the Spirit to, to lead their life. They will uh, crown Jesus as King when the Spirit takes over, not curse, but crown Him. And that's what He's saying, let it be the Spirit. And you guys, whatever you do, you've got to resolve in your heart. you really got to wake up each day. You've got to really face each moment. And you've got to ask God for strength through, throughout everything. You know, you get tempted and sometimes it's your spouse and sometimes it's your kid or, or whatever it is, some type of situation and circumstance that you face in life. And we have to be constantly, constantly be praying and asking God, give me strength, God. Give me wisdom, God. Not for a moment can we rely on our own, you know, intelligence or, or whatever. You know, it's a constant dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that's going to carry us away. He's the one that's going to lead us in life. And Paul here just tells them, listen, under divine inspiration, you need to be spiritual. You need to be uh, not carnal and divisive, but you need to be spiritual and united. Because look what he says there 
in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. As Paul begins to share about spiritual manifestations, he mentions the Father, he mentions the Son, he mentions the Spirit. We see the Trinity is represented here in verses 4 through 6. And he mentions the Spirit there in verse 4, notice, as the gift giver. He mentions the Son there as the master of ministries. And then there in verse 6, he mentions the Father over the overall operations, the Father being the ultimate authority of activities. You know, and you know, you can look at that and, you know, one day we'll study that and you guys are going to get blown away on the details of it. But I think we need to make sure that we maintain the big picture. And really what Paul is saying is that there is a unity in diversity within the church and even within the Godhead. And the Godhead is united. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the gift giver. The Son, master over ministries. The Father, authority over all activities. And you see them kind of doing you know, their own responsibility, but he says it's the same God right there. The same God who works all in all. And what he's trying to share is that, hey, there's this that's going on. It's a technicality, but really I want you to see the unity. You know, and the devil will come in and he'll try to divide this congregation. The devil will come in and he'll try to divide husband against wife. Huh? The devil will come in and he'll try to divide the kids against parents. And sometimes you know how it is. I mean, I guess it's different in every household, but they say that, you know, dad and uh, and daughter are real tight. And so if they become kind of tighter than you know, dad or husband and wife, then he kind of gets a wedge in there and, and, and you got to be real careful with stuff like that. You know, somehow, some way he'll try to divide. And the overall, we're going to see picture of this chapter is God says, you know what, you guys stay together. Stay united. Stay tight. Love each other. Care for each other. If you want God to do a great work. But Lord, they're so different than I am. I would never eat there. <laughs> I would never say it the way they said it. I would never do it the way they did it. And God said, okay, well, if you find yourself fighting against my people, I want you to know something. You are fighting against me. How many of you here want to fight against God? Be so careful, man. Just because they're different than you doesn't mean they're wrong. And if you find yourself dividing over non-essentials and, you know, weakening that, God's going God's gonna to hold you accountable. We, we really need to have a heart. If you're part of this congregation, there's got to be a unity. And if you're part of God's family, there's got to be a certain unity. And that's what he's saying. We see it within the Godhead. We see it within the church. And as we go through the chapter tonight, we will see the practical application that God wants to keep us together as a congregation in order to keep us effective as a flock. How even though we're different and even at different maturity levels, we shouldn't despise any disciple because the bottom line is we all need each other.
each other. We're going to see that today very clearly. You know, unfortunately, that diverse, different guys and girls and gifts and places and positions and parts of the body are often reasons used for schisms and divisions, but we're going to see that it shouldn't be that way. By God's design, we're different. We have different places and positions in order to profit each other. As a matter of fact, that's what we read next there in verse 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See that? For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now in these verses 7 through 11, Paul mentions seven different manifestations of the Spirit. And, you know, every one is fascinating. I encourage you, if you can, you know, get a, a commentary and, and look on these, these different manifestations. It's really cool. It's fascinating to study out. But, again, I don't want to lose track here. Uh, we're limited on time. I, I want to make sure we come away with the main point tonight. And that is that Paul is saying it's the same Spirit. He is the same one in all these different manifestations working as He wills. And we have to catch that. You know, it's an ugly thought when you think of an individual dividing the divine, slicing the Holy Spirit. But that's what you do when you divide. You're cutting Jesus Christ. Think about that. Who here would take a sword and cut Him in half? Anybody here? You better not, man, because you're going to get in big trouble. Well, just because there's a diversity, don't let that divide you. Let there be a unity. I found that there are some individuals that, man, you know, I don't know if I could say this. You know, sometimes you might think about that person and I don't know, forgive me, forgive me. I have to confess to you. You're like, I don't know about them. But then you're looking over here at this family, this beautiful family over here, and you see what God did in his life and her life. And then, you know, they, then their son got saved and their nephew got saved and their compa got saved. And you see this beautiful work that the Lord does in the family. And one day you go up to him and you say, you know what, how did you find out about this church? Just out of curiosity. And he said, oh, he told me. And you're like, him? Not that. Are you sure it was him? <laughs> And the Lord says, yeah, that was him. That one that you think you don't need, the one that you despise and look down on was the one that God used to bring this beautiful family in. And the Lord just begins to teach us that we got to make sure that we don't, you know, ostracize others and criticize others when we really shouldn't. There's got to be a unity, even though there's so much diversity. You see, we can't cut Christ. We can't slice the Spirit. It's a very ugly thought. We have to think more along the lines of bonding in this body. The Christian's call, it says right there in verse 7, is for the profit of all. Even though we have different gifts, even though you have different personalities, even though you, know, you have even you know, the elements of diversity, 
there needs to be that unity. And we need to have that as a congregation, you know. I know some people, you know, they're sandpaper people and they kind of, you know, they're rough on the edges, you know. But God will use them in your life to smooth you out, you know. So, so love them. Love them. Pray for them. Embrace them. That's the way we need to be as a family, you see. Paul goes on to give an excellent illustration of the body, uh, beginning here in verse 12. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And as you read this right here, you just keep reading the word one, huh? One, 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 over and over again. The body is one, one body, one body, one spirit, one body, one spirit, you know. And I think the emphasis is clear. I think in the end, what we're going to have to say here at Calvary Chapel Almani and really in any church is uh, if we want, it's because we are one. And we need to have that heart, you know. There's that unity, even though there's a diversity, And I think that this happens more when we come to spiritual maturity. It's that true sign of spirituality. You know, one body with many members. Here in verse 13, he says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now that's speaking of salvation, that when you get saved, you get baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. It's speaking of salvation. But then he goes on to say, you're one no matter what the nation. He says right there, whether Jews or Greeks. You're Mexican, no problem, man. You know, I pray that in this church right here that God will bring more ethnicities, that there will be, you know, just all different races because there's no place for for anything else, man. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, this is the, the Spirit's work of salvation for every nation, no matter what the situation, he says right there, whether slaves or free, you've all been made to drink into one spirit. You know, and if you think about it, especially in those days, slaves and free, they would never hang with each other, you know? I mean, the slaves and the free, I mean, that would be like two different sections here. You know, but we really need to see that what, what God has done is God has united. He's broken down that middle wall of separation and you can sit next to people with a whole bunch of tattoos even if you don't have tattoos, you know. Um, you could look around, and I encourage you guys, because, you know, I usually know, oh, they're going to sit there, and they're going to sit there, and they're going to sit there, you know. <laughs> sit somewhere else and sit next to somebody different, especially, you know, I mean, nobody weird or anything. No, I'm just joking, but, um, you know, um, you know, no no clicks. You know, it's okay to have friends. It's, it's, it's totally okay to have friends, but... But you're just, I love it when I just see people talking to, to just different people, man. It's just a beautiful thing. And that's what we need to have. That's the heart that I think we need to have. I know we don't always act that way and we don't always feel that way. But, you know, we are one. Whether you like it or not. We are one. That's the way it is according to the Word of God. Look what we read in verse 15. 
He says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. He says you guys are one, even if you don't, if you don't feel like you're one. As a matter of fact, verses 15 through 17, we see, first of all, the Christian who excludes themselves. You know, maybe you're here today and, you know, I know I've been been kind of there. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a little confession. You can't tell anybody, you know. But sometimes when I go to the pastor's conference, you know, I go by myself. And I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but you kind of feel like you're an outsider looking in sometimes. You know, and then you get to know a couple of the guys, a couple of the pastors, and some of them are really true. They're really good friends. They embrace you. They welcome you in. But, you know, it's not everybody does, and it's not their fault. Sometimes it's my fault. But all I'm saying is this. I know what it's like to feel like you don't belong. I know what it's like to feel sometimes like you're an outsider looking in. But if you're a part of the body of Christ, and if you call, we'll just use this in a congregational way now, Calvary Chapel, Almani, your home, then you're one with us. You're one with us. And even if you don't feel that way, you know, while I'm not, a, I'm not a hand or I'm not an ear or I'm not a teacher, I'm not a leader, I'm not a pastor, I'm not involved in ministry. You know what? You might not be signed up for ministry, um, but, but you're a part of this congregation because we're one. Whether you like it or not, if this is your home, then you do belong. And sometimes we exclude ourselves. Well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not of the body. You know, or maybe you're feeling sorry for yourself. No, you are part of the body. Or, or maybe you're feeling selfish. Some people like to isolate themselves. Uh, I've seen both types of people and even a mixture of that. You know, but the Christian is deceived into thinking they're not a part of the work because they don't feel prominent enough. They're not a teacher or leader or overseer or pastor or even senior pastor. They're gravely mistaken. You know, Paul here, as he deals with this, he makes it very clear. You know, and the Christian who lives only or primarily for themselves, he or she doesn't live for the Lord and the rest of his body is by definition a cancer in the congregation. You can't live for yourself. You're part of the body now. You know, and it's, it's actually more than just an illustration for you to understand. It's reality. Is Calvary Chapel Almani your home? Then you're part of this body. And you can't live for yourself. If you live for yourself, that's what cancer does. They live for themselves. No, you've got to live for the Lord and you've got to live for the rest of the congregation. It should never, ever, ever be about me and meeting my needs. It's always about the Lord, His glory, and the good of the people. Instead, we need to have a heart that is well-functioning and well-pleasing. That's what we read there in verse 17 again. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body 
just as he pleased. And I was talking to the Lord earlier today and I was telling him, Lord, thank you so much for the beauty of colors. Don't you guys love colors? Blue. A lot of you, your favorite color is blue, huh? You got the cool ones, blue. I love green. I love red. I love purple. I love the just the beautiful colors, man. It's awesome to see. And then music. Don't you just love music? I mean, how many of you here love me? We love music. Isn't it so cool to hear? And then to smell. Isn't it so awesome to be able to smell? Oh, they're, they're, they're smelling some, uh, some baked cookies. I heard someone of you say sometimes. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? We do have some skunks that live by us. And whoa, they're powerful, man. But to smell and to hear and to see and, and to feel, I mean, it's all part of being a complete body. And it's just an awesome thing. And, and we need each other. We need the nose. Man. We need the eyes. We need the ears. We need each other. You guys, it's so important. And that's what he's trying to, to say right here. But we need to do what he says right there. Um, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And so you don't have to trip out. You don't have to wig out. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to wonder. God's going to put you where he wants you. One of the things I was thinking about in just meditating and thinking about this study earlier is that it really is an encouragement to be faithful wherever you're at. Wherever you're at, you may, you may feel, well, I'm just a pinky, man. Be a, a faithful pinky, you know. Um, be faithful wherever you're at. Because one day when we stand before God, he's not going to say, well, were you a pastor? Okay, if you get pastor, you get special points. No way, we're going to see that later. He's just going to say, were you faithful? And as a matter of fact, when you're faithful in the little things, if it's in God's plan, he'll give you greater things. Some people want the greater things and they're not faithful in the little things. But when you see a study like this, you realize, okay, well, this is, I'm, I'm this part of the body. And wherever you're at, you be the best ear, the best eye, the best whatever it is, esophagus, I don't know, wherever you're at. And, and God will... God will put you where he wants. It's really an awesome, awesome truth. We see that here. And it's just an awesome thing, man, to please the Lord. You know, in verses 15 through 17, we see the Christian who excludes themselves. But then in verse 21, we see the Christian who excludes others. Because look what it says right there in verse 21. He says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I... Or again, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. You know, and sometimes we exclude ourselves, and sometimes we exclude others, and we can't do that. Listen, you are a part of the body of Christ. Don't exclude yourself, but so are they. And don't exclude them. They're a part of the body of Christ too. Even though you might not like them, even though they might rub you the wrong way, they are part of this body of Christ. You know, have you ever caught yourself saying, you know, about certain saints, hey, they're not that important? Or maybe even something like, I wish they could leave the church or the ministry. I hope they don't come tonight. Or I hope they don't come back. <laughs> you know, that would be like the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. Your eye needs your hand. It really does. Your body, we need different parts. 
You know, I remember when I had an infection in my eye and so I went to the doctors and they gave me some drops and they said, you've got to put those drops in your eyes. You know, and my eye needed my hand. We need each other, you guys. Otherwise, the eye's not going to get better. And if you start excluding other people, then like I said earlier, you're slicing up the spirit. You're cutting Christ. You are coming against God. Lest you fight yourself, find yourself fighting against God, you have to be so careful. No matter who you are, no matter who they are, what we really see right here is that you need them if they are a part of the body of Christ. You say, well, Manny, they don't do that much. And so Paul says right here in verse 22, no, no. Much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, pause if you would. Read that again. Those parts of the body which seem to be weaker, it says right there, are necessary. You know, maybe you look at somebody and you think, you know, they're weaker. They don't have a commitment like I do. They don't do as much as I do. They're, they're weaker. And God says to you tonight, they're vital. They're valuable. The whole body of Christ is very important. You might say, well, they just come and go, or they never even show up to my Bible study. I've even seen them blow it a couple of times, Manny. I heard about what they did. I know how they are. But if they're a part of this body, they may seem weaker to you. But you need to know, God says, that they're necessary. Maybe last night they lifted you up in prayer. And, and you don't even realize that. But, but that one that you're like, oh, go away. They, they prayed for you with a heart of sincerity. For some reason, you were heavy on the heart, and so they prayed for you. And you want to know something else? You've got to be so careful. We have to all be so careful, because not one member of the body is more important than another. You know, we've got to be so careful. We might find ourselves with a lot of pride. And if it weren't for the humility of that wretched sinner... You wouldn't be the man that you are. You'd be in big trouble. Because God says right there, those members of the body which seem to be weaker, they're actually necessary. He goes on to say in verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. I mean, if you think about it, the parts that are critical and vital are oftentimes covered when we think of our body. You know, we don't usually cover our hands, but we cover our heart. We don't normally cover our limbs, but we cover our lungs. And within the church, there's just a, a real upside-down, backwards, inside-out view. The truth is, when it comes to life, we usually and primarily bestow honor to those who are in the public eye 
And we oftentimes despise and or dishonor those who are behind the scenes, the hidden parts of the body. We mistakenly sometimes think that they're not important. And God says to us here, yes, they are. You know, we oftentimes think, well, the pastor, you know, he makes or breaks or, or the teacher or the, the ones that are out in the public. And according to the scriptures, it's the ones that are behind the scenes, never to be seen, that are the ones that are really, really carrying the load. And that's a really heavy thought when you think about it. Warren Wiersbe said, the believers you think you can do without may actually be the ones you need the most. We need to be seriously careful that we don't look down on the hidden servants. And we need to be seriously careful that we don't elevate the servants who have been graciously endowed and chosen to be up front. Every part of the body is valuable and vital in order to do all the things that God wants us to do in the way that he wants us to do them. You know, the thing that I think we confuse is giftedness with godliness. You know, you can have an evangelist and he's got the the gift of evangelism and, you know, a million people get saved. It doesn't necessarily mean that one day when he dies and he stands before God, that he's going to receive a full reward because it was a gift. It was a gracious gift that God gave them. So don't elevate the evangelists. And the same goes for teachers and all those people who are on the public platform. You know, pray for them. Pray that they would rightly teach you the word of God. But please, you know, that, 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 that intercessor behind the scenes is just as vital as the pastor, as the teacher, as the leader. And when we understand that as a church, I think it gives us a healthy you know, less of a respecter of person's attitude. We need to have that in our heart. Here in verse 25, we see the reason for the exhortation. He says that there shouldn't be any schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so you might think of 1 Corinthians 12 when you think of the manifestations of the Spirit. And that's cool. But remember, the main message of 1 Corinthians 12 is unity. So that we would have the same care for everybody who comes to Calvary Chapel Almani. For everybody who finds himself a Christian within the congregation. Paul says we need to take care of each other. That's what he says there in verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body. But that the members, notice, should have the same care for one another. And so I'm going to care for this person over here. Just like I'm going to care for that person over there. Just like I'm going to care for that person over there. I don't have favorites. And neither should you because God doesn't. And we catch the vision of the way that the Lord wants to run his church. Yes, we're members individually, but we have a congregational and even a universal church unity that is a sign of maturity and spirituality. 
And that's another thing. You know, Paul right here, I believe, contextually is teaching about the congregation, you know, there in the city, again, congregationally. But I think it also applies to the church universally. You never have the right to divide when God doesn't. And I see some people do that. And we have to be very careful. There needs to be that unity, you guys. We're, we're living in the last of the last days. God is saying you've got to be tight. You've got to be together in this whole thing. In verse 28, notice it says, And God has appointed first these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. But he says, are all apostles? And, and he's you know, asking a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. You know, and there he kind of seems to be giving like a spiritual structure and how the whole church started, built on the foundation of the apostles and then prophets and then you've got teachers and different things going on. But, you know, it's not necessarily ends there. He's just saying there's just such a, a diversity within the body of Christ, things that were absolutely necessary to build the church. And he says, listen, not everybody's going to be like that or like him or like her. Everyone's different. Remember, according to the scriptures, there's that authority, there's that diversity, there's the unity, there's even the variety. Notice if you would, just if I could say, or here in verse 30, um, let's see here. No, verse 28, um, it says right here, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations. Notice he says, even varieties of tongues. I mean, even with, within tongues, there's a variety. Even within the, the manifestation itself, there's a variety. You see, that's the creativity of God. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. You know, I've told you guys this before, and uh, I'll probably tell, tell it to you, you know, until we get raptured, ma'am. But I, I'm so glad. You know, I'm not trying to make you like me. You know, the Lord is your Lord. You follow Him. You be the person that God wants you to be. You know, don't go cloning yourself. You know, one of the things that's so cool is about the guy that discipled me. You guys, I met him, Greg Torres. He's totally different than me. He really is. He's kind of a crazy guy. He's kind of a rough and tough and gruff guy. And, uh, you know, he's totally different than me. I'm not like him. Even though he discipled me, God wants me to be Manny Coronilla, even though it's kind of a messed up guy, man. Uh, he wants me to be me in him, and he wants you to be you in him. There's such a variety, there's such a diversity, but within that creativity, there's this beautiful unity when we have the Spirit of God working within us. You don't have to do things exactly the way that I would do it. When I start making you do everything the way that I would want to do it, now I'm crossing the line. I know there's a unity. I know there's a diversity. I know that you're, you're who you are. And, and what I, I remember I was telling Martin, I said, man, the way that it works is that I surround myself with people who are better than me. <laughs> 
they're better than me at this and this and that and that. And you know what? I'm totally okay with that. I don't want you to be me. And, and as we have that heart, I think God works. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, a couple last things before we close right here. He says right there in verse 30, do all have gifts of healings? The word gifts is the word charisma. It's Greek. Let's all say that. Charisma. Thank you. Okay. The word grace is charis. Say it. Charis. You notice the same thing? Some people think that if I'm so great, God's going to give me a great gift. But that's not the way it works. God gives us gifts by his grace. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I, by the grace of God, I am, I am what I am. And so don't look at that individual and they say, oh, you're so gifted. You know, he must have earned it. No way. God did the work. What do you have that you didn't receive? Nothing. It's totally the Lord. And that's why we always have to make sure that we glorify the Lord and never, ever, ever glorify man. It's a beautiful thing when you look at the church. And then Paul here in verse 31, he closes. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. Next week, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. In one sense, today we looked at the manifestations of the Spirit. But next week, we're going to look at love. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to really ask God to do that work in our life. You know, one of the things that was cool, how many of you are reading through the Bible, just out of curiosity? You read 1 Corinthians 12 today, huh? Isn't that the Lord? God is so awesome, man. You know, another verse that you should have read today was over in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. Let's turn there real quick. I'm sorry. Let's turn there real, real quick. No, faster, faster. Let's get there real quick. Proverbs 1, look what it says in verse 23. It says, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. We read that today. And I love that verse. Turn at my rebuke. And if you turn, whatever the, the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on, he's saying, I, I want to change that. I want you to repent. That right there, whatever it is, he says, if you turn, then I'll pour out my spirit on you. That's what he says right there. I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. But he doesn't say just I will pour out my spirit on you. He says, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. Remember what I've been trying to tell you guys? Two things that we got to watch out for. Disobedience and doubt. So we need to repent of all our sins and we need to believe with all our heart. And if we do, I believe God will give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, we thank you so much for your word and your love and your grace. I thank you for this congregation, Lord God. Just so many different, beautiful people, Lord. And even your church, universal, Lord. It's so different. It's so diverse. But even in that diversity, Lord, there is that unity. And so, Lord, I pray you would help us to, um, like your word says, it says to, um, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's there. The unity is there. We just need to keep it, Lord. We need to just really walk in it, Lord. 
I thank you so much, Father, for your willingness, your desire to work in every life here. And Father, I pray if there are any here tonight who don't know you, who aren't Christians, or maybe they've drifted, Lord, from you. I know we didn't talk a lot about all those things, but by your spirit, Lord, today I pray that you would just speak to their heart right now, Lord. And if there's anyone here who's not a Christian, who doesn't know the Lord, or maybe you've drifted away, know this, that God has called you back to himself. And that today, if you, yes, you, were turned from your sin and return to Jesus Christ, come back to him, then he will make everything right in your life. Not easy, but right where it needs to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart and that every knee would bow, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of my life by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Encourage my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, and as we close in in worship, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be like a closing song. It wouldn't just be, um, you know, now we're getting ready to go. Um, But Lord, that we would worship you together as a congregation. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. Keep us as one, even as your son prayed in John 17. Lord, keep us as one. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.